I want to invite you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 7. 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, you may not necessarily be familiar with that reference, but I think that the moment I begin to share that scripture, you recognize the, the verse I'm about to read. But before I share that this morning, I want to set a little bit of context for why this verse is so important. Um, the scripture tells us that King Solomon, the son of King David, had just... Um, built this magnificent temple for the Lord. Now, if you remember, it was always David's heart to build a temple for God. But God said to David, because David had essentially um, blood on his hands, decisions that he had made, choices that he had made, uh, where that, that affected the innocent around him, the scripture says that God said he would not be the one to build this house for him, but it would be his son. And the scripture says that David made provision, even though he was not going to be the one to build this temple, he made provision for this temple to be established, to be built. And when King Solomon took the throne in place of his father, it became his priority to build this house for the Lord. And build it he did, and it was a magnificent structure. And I would encourage you, if you can, when you get a chance, read chapter 6 of Second Chronicles. Uh, because in chapter 6, we are brought to this grand event that took place, this dedication of this temple. And what's important about chapter 6 is that I believe that it sets the scene for what happens in chapter 7. Because chapter 7 is in, is in, is in fact a response from God to what happened in chapter 6. Chapter 6 is for the most part King Solomon praying to God. Not only on his behalf, but praying on behalf of the people of Israel. And, and, and chapter 7 becomes God's response to that prayer. And so uh, we see in chapter 7 of, of 2 Chronicles, beginning in verse 11, the Bible says, Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's palace, and he successfully completed everything that he had planned on doing in the house of the Lord and in his palace. And in verse 12, the Lord appeared to Solomon at night, and the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the law, the locusts to devour the land, or if I send a plague among my people, and my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. God's promise to Solomon was in response to what Solomon himself had prayed for. A lot of the words that, that we see in response, in God's response to Solomon, are the very same words that Solomon used in his prayer and his petition to God. Why are we focused on this scripture over these next several weeks? It's because when you take a look at the landscape, our culture, there is, a, there is an upheaval in our culture, and it's, it's not a new thing. It's something that's been happening for many, many generations. But I do believe that one of the things that points to the reality that we are in the end times is that we are seeing this ramping up of the kingdom of darkness to try to find a way to snuff out, to stamp out, to nullify the influence of the church, the impact of the church in culture. Um, I think back to the story in the Old Testament of uh, Lot. Remember that story when the scripture says that God looked down from heaven and he saw what was happening in these two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. And the scripture says that God determined that he was going to destroy these nations. 
And the scripture says that he had an encounter with Abraham, and in this encounter with Abraham, uh, he began to tell his friend Abraham the things he was getting ready to do. And Abraham, the Bible says, began to plead on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he began to ask God specifically, God, what if there were a certain remnant of people that were amongst these cities? That for the sake of the remnant that will you spare these cities? And the scripture says, and not once, but several times, Abraham kept kind of throwing a number at God. What if it's this number? What if it's this number? What if it's this number? And God kept saying, if I find this number, I will spare the city. But ultimately, you know what happened, right? Well, God said he would, the condition that God had said for sparing the city was not meant. But in, at the same time, God reached out to save Lot and his family. Remember that story? But for me, what was, what was, in, what was important about that story is this idea that, that God is always looking for a remnant to who, through whom he can work, even when it seems like, it's, it seems like an entire nation or culture is, is moving in a direction that is, that is, that is displeasing to him. Um, when you watch the news, friends, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm, it's disheartening the things we're hearing. Um, it's disheartening the things that are happening in our culture. And sometimes, again, it's easy for us to take this stance of, well, you know, I'm just going to try to live my faith, live my life in my own little corner and just kind of do my own thing. And, you know, as long as the world does not bother me and I'm not going to bother it and we think that that's enough, we need to understand, friends, that the world will never, ever allow... Um, values, principles, uh, a commitment that, that seeks to honor God to sit quietly and to just exist on its own. The world will constantly seek to, 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 to snuff out, to tamp down, to stifle the influence that God has given us, the voice that God has given us in the world. And it is important for us to start to see ourselves, and this is the word that I hope that will be impressed in your heart over these next several weeks, and it's the word remnant. I want everybody to say remnant. Remnant, you are part of a remnant that God has raised up. Again, we don't just simply exist unto ourselves. We exist for Him. We exist to, to glorify Him. We exist to point the world to Him. We exist to draw attention to Him. And, and we, draw, we draw attention to Him by allowing the world to see Him in us. You know, it's not that we just simply talk about following Christ, but that we're committed to living our lives in such a way that when people see us, that they see the difference He's made in our lives. What they won't see is perfection, because we're not perfect. What they won't see is the people who don't have struggles or never, uh, never are confronted by, by the hardships and the challenges of life. They will see those things, but what they need to see that they won't find anywhere else is a peace. A peace that only God can give, can give us. A peace that comes from knowing that no matter how chaotic our world may seem, and no matter how much the enemy may seek to kill, to steal, and to destroy, and he's doing so all around us, that those who put their trust in the Lord are safe and they're secure. Why? Because he is our refuge. We look to him. We call on him. We cry out to him. And we trust that God will always, always watch after his own. But, it's, 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 but more than just trusting that God will watch after us when we're surrounded by chaos and confusion, but it's that our lives get to be that open book that God can use to show others the reality of what a relationship with Christ looks like and what it can mean for them if they would choose to follow him as well. There are many people in our world today who are hopeless. Many people in our world today who are, who are filled with, 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 with fear and anxiety and worry. And, and, and with everything that's going on in the world, the things that are going wrong in our world, people are looking, for, looking to solutions to, to address those issues, but what they're not doing is looking to God. 
And we have to be the example of what, it, what, of what happens when we, God's people, look to Him and allow Him to help to, to bring about restoration, to bring about revival, to bring about renewal through our lives and through our witness. But here's the thing, friends. You need to understand me this morning. The Bible says judgment begins in the house of God. We have to be willing to say, God, before you use me as a catalyst for bringing change in my culture, God, first of all, am I allowing you to work in me? Am I submitted to you? Am I yielded to you? Am I, am I seeking to experience revival in my own life? Am I seeking to be restored? Am I seeking to be renewed? Paul said in Romans 12 verse 1, he says that we're to present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And, 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 and so that, and so, so that in, 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 living, in living out this daily life of a sacrifice before God, that the world sees that God's will is perfect, it is pleasing, it is acceptable. We have to first learn to look within. God, is, am I allowing you to work in my heart and in my life so that I become that appropriate open book that you can use to speak to other people's lives? I'm going to close it with this thought. Charles Finney was, a, was an 18th century um, evangelist who was well known for you know, traveling all over Europe and even in the Americas preaching the gospel. And when he was asked the question, what is revival or describe revival, this is how he puts it. He says revival is the awakening of God's people. See, when we think of revival, we think revival is the world. Revival has to happen in the world. And I'm not saying it shouldn't happen in the world. But how can the world be revived if the church is not seeking revival? How can the world experience an awakening if we, the church, choose to remain in a state of, 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 of apathy or, or when we, we allow ourselves to get caught up in, in church or, or, or spiritual walk as a routine or, or an exercise that we just simply do because that's what we're supposed to do. He says revival must involve the awakening of God's people to our true purpose. And, it ought, and then we would see revival begin to break out. But not only awakening of, of God's people to a true purpose, but revival involves a return of the church from backsliding. Where we begin to say, God, convict me of those areas in my life where I am not living for you. Where I am not walking with you, where I am not consistent in my, in my walk with you. Only then, Charles Finley said, we will begin to see a revival among sinners. God's desire is to bring revival first in us as the church. And when we start to see ourselves as remnants that God has raised up and that God wants to work in so that then he can work through, that promise that God made to, to King Solomon, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from wickedness, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive them of their sins and I will heal their land. That that promise will become our reality today. Because again, when we look at what's happening in our culture and there's much to be discouraged or be dismayed about in our culture, realize, friends, that the, the solution has to start within us. And that's really where we're going to be going over these next several weeks. It's saying, God, the change we want to see in our culture let that change start within me. Because if it doesn't start within me, then I shouldn't expect it to happen in culture. And over these next weeks, we're going to be talking about what that looks like and how that plays out, not only in our lives, <coughs> excuse me, individually, 
but as a witness, as a corporate body, how we as a church can be the tools that God can use to bring revival. I want to invite you to pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, I am grateful <coughs> for the promise we have today in your word that God, you are in the business of revival, renewal, restoration, awakening when we, your people, and it starts with your people, acknowledge, Lord, that God, we are not where we should be. That God, we allowed apathy, complacency, Father God, an embracing of routines to become the priority of our hearts and our lives when more than anything, what you want from us, Lord, is a, a renewed hunger and a, and a desire for more of you. God, I pray that over this, over this week and really over this next several weeks as we are talking about what it means to, Father God, pursue spiritual awakening, Father, pursue revival, that God, we would begin to ask ourselves the question, God, is there anything in me that is precluding me from experiencing revival in my own life? Why? Because God, you've called us to be remnants. We are remnants, Lord. In just the same way as I believe that if, if there were enough people, Father, amongst those nations, those cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, you would have done what you promised your servant you would do. You would not have destroyed those cities. That in the same way, Father, we can look at our culture and God, while there is much, Lord, to be saddened about in our culture today, God, that, Lord, we don't have to be, we don't have to be sad. We don't have to be despondent, Father. Why? Because, God, we recognize that, Lord, the solution that our nation, our culture needs is not more laws. It is not more rules. It is not people simply trying to be better. But that God change and transformation can only come when people seek you. And that God, the solution that we seek to see brought about in our culture, God, that that solution must first take root in our own lives. And so God, I pray this morning that you would help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to to recognize, Lord, the incredible opportunity that sits before us, Lord, to allow you, God, to be glorified through our witness. Lord, as we are yielded to you, as we are submitted to you, God, as, as, we, as we humble ourselves before you, Father, and we allow you, God, to search our hearts and to expose anything in us, Lord, that does not please you. And that, God, we are willing to say, God, have mercy on me, God. We don't justify, we don't excuse, we don't suggest that we are not as bad as someone else. But, God, we just, we come clean. That, God, we can be open and honest and transparent, Lord, about the areas that we fall short in our own lives. Why? Because, God, we desire more of you. We desire to be like Jesus. And we don't want to fall short. And God, I pray this morning that you would help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to... Be a people who cry out, Father, have mercy. Have mercy. God, I truly believe that, that this nation, our culture, is not a lost cause. God, we thank you, God, because Lord, the word says, The greater are you who is in us than he that is in this world. And God, because we are the remnant, God, we choose. We will not, Father, give up our, our culture. We will not give up our nation, Lord, to the enemy. But God, in order for us, Lord, to be that voice, that catalyst for change, God, help us, Lord, to help us, Lord, to be willing to say, God, search my own heart. 
And Holy Spirit, thank you that as you reveal those things in our lives that are not pleasing to you, God, help us, Lord, today to, to surrender to you, to you fully and completely. So that, God, in the end, it is you that is glorified. And, Lord, the kingdom is advanced, Father, because we are submitted and yielded to you, God. And so, God, I pray, Lord, in advance of us, Diving into this series over these next few weeks, God, begin to prepare our hearts for what you're going to show us, Lord. And I'm believing, Father, that God, an awakening, Father, would break out in our midst. Lord, not, not just simply when we come together in your, in your name, but that, God, when we are at home, when we are at work, when we are at school, when we are in our communities, Lord, that, God, we would experience an awakening, Father, because we, your people, are hungry for more of you. And so, God, I, I look forward to what we're going to experience over these next few weeks. And I thank you, Father, for what you're going to do to prepare our hearts for the change that is going to come. But we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen.